So welcome. I believe this is now our 10th class on forgiveness. I didn't think we would get this far. It's amazing. There's so much to talk about. And last time was two weeks ago. I wasn't here last week. I was at a Japa retreat. So now you get me in a heightened state of Krishna consciousness after spending almost a week. It started on Tuesday and we went through Sunday. And we got to chant 64 rounds twice. So it was really special. So now you get me in a little better state of consciousness than I would normally be in. So maybe I'll have some profound realizations that will totally transform you. You like that? Well, let's see what happens. Now, the last time, two weeks ago, we spoke about beliefs. I don't know if you remember what we spoke about. But we, we spoke how beliefs affect our thoughts. And our thoughts, of course, turn into emotions. And... A lot of times when we have difficulty controlling our mind or, or our mind being negative, what's really going on is their beliefs that are affecting that thought process. And, and so uh, beliefs will help us if they're positive and they'll hurt us if they're negative. And there, there, there are many beliefs in relation to forgiveness that make it virtually impossible for someone with those beliefs to forgive. And we want to look at those so you can see if you have any of those beliefs, because sometimes you might feel that you want to forgive, but you just can't, and you don't know why. It's just, I can't. It's like you hit a dead end, you hit a wall. And often, not always, but often, it may be because you have certain beliefs that make it impossible to forgive, or make it difficult, or make it impossible to forgive certain kinds of offenses. So... In order to do this exercise, this is actually an exercise, and you're going to get to look at beliefs I've listed in relation to forgiveness, and you're going to get to grade yourself and see where you stand in terms of these beliefs. But in order to do that, we have to go to my website, because I have this list of beliefs. So if you want to do this well, then it's best you go to the website. So it's www. And we're going to write it down for you, www.tstrain.com. And then when you get on that site, you're going to go on the left and you'll see articles. So now I'm on the site, so I can tell you exactly where to go. You go to articles. And then we want to go down. There's supposed to be... Um, my assistant said there should be a section. Okay, let's go to how do you, how do you know you've totally forgiven? And let's see what's under that. No, that's not it. Um, let's go. What could you achieve if God appeared equal vision? What I'd like to give up. Beliefs? No, she said there was another one on forgiveness. Let's go to the top. See how prepared I am today? I actually believed my secretary. She said, it was there. You just go. And my resentments. Oh, oh well, let's go to articles. I mean, let's go to newsletters. Just we'll take a gamble here. Um, let's see. Okay, let's go down. And I don't know. Well, in this case, no. Okay, in this case, what we're going to do is I'm going to have to read them to you. And you're going to have to note them, and you may even want to write them down as I read them, because I don't see it here. I'm losing faith. I'm losing faith now. She said it was there, and it's not. So, I'm sorry for that. So... Okay, now you're going to have to pay special attention because you, you don't, you're not able to see it. And um, anyway, I'm going to make sure this gets up on the website so at least you can go to it in the future. Okay, so let's go back to the chat room now. I'm not in the chat room. Okay, Manjesh is here and Christopher is here and Mahi, Mahi somebody. And I'm here also. Amazing. Bhaktin Carol. And many others. Soon yet to appear. Okay. 
So if you have a pen and paper, why don't you get it now? I'll give you a moment because it will help you. And beliefs are, one thing about beliefs, we have what are called transparent beliefs. That means some beliefs we have and we don't even know we have them. And those beliefs are acting out in our life. And, and how do you know a transparent belief? Well, one way you know is if you see yourself acting in a particular way, then you could ask a question. Well, what would someone have to believe to be acting this way? And that re that's very revealing. If you, if you look at your behavior and just ask that question, what would someone have to believe who acts this way? Whatever, whatever way you're acting that you want to understand what a belief that you, a belief you might have that you're not even aware of. And um, sometimes you know, we think we don't believe in a certain way, but if we look at our activities, it will reveal that in order to act the way I'm acting, I must have a belief, I must have a particular belief that I didn't really acknowledge that I had or I wasn't even aware that I had it. So beliefs are interesting because, as I say, some are transparent. We don't even know we have them. And a lot of beliefs really work against us, that we're, we're trying to go in a particular direction, but we, have, we may have beliefs that take us in the opposite direction. And, and we, we may not understand why we're not achieving a certain goal. We may have no idea. We, we, apparently we're doing everything right, but we have beliefs that get in the way. So now let's look at our beliefs in relation to forgiveness. And I have here about 15 beliefs. And what I'd like you to do is rate how much you believe each one of these on a scale of 1 to 10, or a scale actually of 0 to 10. If, if you don't believe this at all, then you would put a 0. And if you believe it totally, 100%, you would, you would give it a 10. And if you kind of believe it, you would give it a 5 or a six or a seven, and you don't really believe it that much, but a little bit, you would give it a number under five. Okay, are you ready? Is everybody ready? On your mark, get set, get ready. Okay. So here's the first one. Only minor offenses are to be forgiven. Only minor offenses are to be forgiven. That means if somebody doesn't do something too harmful, I can forgive them. But if they do something which is seriously offensive or seriously abusive or seriously out of role, out of who, out of who they should be, then I cannot forgive them. So give yourself a grade. Only minor offenses, only minor offenses are to be forgiven. If if you don't believe that, put a zero. If you believe any offense can be forgiven, give it a zero. If you believe only, if you if you believe that serious offenses should not be forgiven, then give it a ten. And um, if you don't know, give it a five. You can always go back to this later. Okay. The next one. We don't need to work on our forgiveness issues because by bhakti, forgiveness will automatically develop. We don't need to work on our forgiveness issues because by bhakti, forgiveness will automatically develop. In other words, if we just do devotional service, that's all we need to do. We don't really need to focus any effort on forgiveness. It's... It's as you advance in Krishna consciousness, all the good qualities of the demigods develop. That's what Shastra says. So all we really need to do is focus on our bhakti, and then in due course of time, the good qualities will, will develop, and it would be philosophically incorrect to focus all our energy on forgiving when it's only by Krishna's mercy that we can do it. It's, only, it's going to happen anyway through the process of bhakti. So if you believe that, 100% you would give that a 10. If you don't believe that, and if you think, no, actually, you have to work on it, I mean, you have to do bhakti also, but but you have to work on it. And if you believe that it's not just you do bhakti and then just everything comes automatically, you don't have to focus on giving up your resentment independently, then 
that's a 10. And if you think, no, I have to focus. I have to make the effort. It's not just bhakti. I have to make the effort. That would be a zero. And then somewhere in, in between, you're not really sure. Kind of sense that I really just need to do bhakti. And it's not really necessary to focus so much. That would be up there, you know, eight or nine. And if you sense, no, that we really we need to do some cleansing of the heart, you need to focus on that, then you'd be at a zero or down in the lower numbers. Okay. The next one. It is only possible to forgive after the offender apologizes. It is only possible to forgive after the offender apologizes. In other words, it's not possible to forgive at least something, some serious abuse, unless the person apologizes to you. It's it's not possible. You can't you can't forgive. If you've been hurt deeply, you it, you just can't forgive unless they apologize. If you believe that, that would be a ten. If you believe that forgiveness does not depend on another person's apology, then you would give yourself a zero and somewhere in. Between you think, well, it would be helpful if they did. It would make it easier still. But I can still do it without their apology. Or I don't believe they need to apologize for me to forgive. It would still be a zero. But if you believe that it's humanly impossible to forgive without a person apologizing for the wrongs they've done, especially serious wrongs, then you would give it a higher score. There's a similar one. Not exactly the same, but similar. It's only possible to forgive if the offender is brought to justice, especially if they've done something illegal. It's only possible to forgive once they've been brought to justice. In other words, when they finally get their punishment, then, then I can let it go, because now they've, they've got their due rewards. That would be a 10. And if you think that forgiveness is more of your own doing, and it's less dependent on what happens to the person, then you would be in the lower numbers. And if you believe it, it has no bearing on what happens to them, whether they're prosecuted, then you would be at a zero. I know, I know for some people it's, they believe that or they'll tell themselves, I can't forgive unless the person is brought to justice. And if they're not brought to justice, I can never forgive them. I'll be the one to punish them. And others may believe that whether they're brought to justice or not, it's really within my power to forgive them. So that that would be the zero. Okay. There's another similar one. It is not possible to forgive family or friends for serious offenses. It is not possible to forgive family or friends for serious offenses. So, I mentioned before that when you're offended by someone you don't know, it's much easier to forgive them than if you're offended by somebody that you know, somebody that's dear to you. Main reason is because you don't expect, you expect them to show affection to you. And if they hurt you, if they let you down in some way, if they betray you in some way, it, it, it hurts much, much, much worse. And then you may feel that, okay, if somebody doesn't know you, if, if someone has no relationship with you or no affection for you, that is one thing if they offend you, that they can be forgiven. But if you're offended by a family member or someone, a close friend, then that can't be forgiven. That's so unjust. It's unforgivable. It's an unforgivable sin. It's so unjust. That, that, that would be a 10. Or you might feel if you were a zero, then again you might feel that no matter what the offense, it's still possible to forgive. I, I, I wouldn't make a qualification on who I can forgive and under what circumstances. That would be a zero. Okay. It's not po- it is not right to forgive a spouse who cheats. Interesting. It's not right. I'm not I'm not saying here your belief is that it's that you can or can't. I'm saying your belief is it's not right. In other words, if they've cheated on you, then it would be wrong for you to forgive them because you might think, well, if if I forgive them, they'll do it again. 
So I would be a 10. I think, no, it's not right to forgive them. How will they learn they've done something wrong if I forgive them? They'll take advantage of me. And the opposite of that would be that you can forgive them and you can also protect yourself or create a situation in which they would not be allowed to take advantage of you, that, that them taking advantage of you or not is not dependent on your forgiveness. So that would be a zero. And, and go with where you're at on these, not where you think you should be at. Because can, you can see, as I'm, I'm, as I'm explaining it, you can see kind of where you should be, what would be the better option. But if you're not there, then uh, at this point, don't put a zero if you're not there. If you're at a 10, just put a 10. It's, it's just for your benefit to know, to, to examine your own beliefs. And then we'll go, we'll go through this again a little more. Okay. Forgiving means we are making something wrong into something right. This is similar to the last one. We need to punish the person so the world knows and the person knows that it's wrong. So you would have the belief that if I forgive him, it's acknowledging that what he did was not really wrong. And so it would be wrong to forgive somebody who's committed a criminal, a serious criminal offense or who's, who's abused, who's, done, who's performed abusive activities. I wouldn't forgive them. It's not right because it would justify their behavior in some way. And the other side, you would say, I can forgive them without justifying their behavior, without, what, what were the words I, uh, making a wrong into a right. It wouldn't, I can forgive them, but that would not be an admittance that what they did was right. I can separate the two. I could even let them know that what they did was wrong, but I forgive them. Or, as I said, the other end would be, that won't work. Because as soon as you do that, you're acknowledging to some degree that what they did is, wasn't that bad. Because if it were really that bad, you wouldn't be able to forgive them. Okay, so 0 to 10, score yourself. The next one, forgiving means allowing a criminal to go free. In other words, someone's done a criminal act. They should be taken to court. They should be... Justice should be shown to them, should be given to them. If I forgive them, then I'm setting them free. And then again, the same problem, they could commit the same act. Forgiving means to allow a criminal to go free. The zero would be, I can forgive them, but I could take them to court. I could be a witness. I could prosecute them if necessary. But I could forgive them simultaneously. I could I believe that I that that is possible to do both. The other end would be there. The belief is that they must be punished. If I forgive a criminal, then I'm letting him off the hook. I'm uh, allowing him to feign innocence, or it looks like I'm some way condoning his activities. All right. Forgiveness is done to improve or reconcile a relationship. So I have a bad relationship. If I forgive the person, then the relationship theoretically should get better. So I will forgive the person to reconcile a relationship. That would be a 10. The other side, the zero, would be that I will forgive the person, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the relationship is going to get better. Or it may not even mean that I want a relationship. Because you would say, well, why would you want to forgive the person if you don't care about the relationship. So this a zero would be forgiveness is independent of the relationship. It's the relationship is not the motive for the forgiveness. And in the, in the other side, if you gave it a 10 or something on that, the, the motive is forgiveness is being done for a relationship. Uh, forgiveness is done to improve. The, the motive is to improve the relationship. And that's that's why forgiveness is done. That's why it's always done. It's not done for any other reason. It's not done for the sake of forgiving in and of itself. There'll always be a reconciliation. So that would be 10. And zero would be it's done for the sake of its own. It's done because that's what should be done. For its own, It's done for its own sake. 
By not forgiving, I am getting back at the person who hurt me. By not forgiving, I'm getting back at the person who hurt me. In other words, sometimes we're hurt so badly that we feel if I forgive the person, then they'll they'll never understand that what they did was wrong. And they'll never get justice. So I become like the judge and the jury and and I feel it's incumbent on me to punish them in some way. And it's incumbent on me to let people know what they've done. So it wouldn't be right to forgive them. By not forgiving, I'm I'm getting back at the person who hurt me. So, you know, someone has to get back at them. Maybe somehow they've escaped all the legal channels or the channels within the organization organization just patted them, gave them a little pat on the hand and you think this is this is horrible so you, you want to get back at them so that would be a 10 that would be a 10 by not forgiving I'm getting back at the person who hurt me and a zero would be you would think well I'm not you know that person is not being affected by the fact that I'm, I have resentment towards them. It's not in, in, it may be, but in general, a zero would think, no, that, that person's not really being hurt by it at all. I'm not in any way getting back at them. That's just subjective view that I'm actually getting back at them, but I'm not really. It's not really hurting them. It's not, it's not, they're not getting any justice by my resentment. That would be a zero. Okay, are you all with me? Forgiveness, oh, so Carol's, does forgiveness require previous feeling of resentment or anger? Yeah, because forgiveness is basically, another way of saying forgiveness is you're releasing resentment, the release of resentment. If, if there's no resentment, then it's kind of like you, you, are, on, you're, you are on perpetual, for, you're in the perpetual forgiving mode. You're, you're always forgiving before, before you could even get hurt by anybody. You've already forgiven them in advance, or so you're just so forgiving that nobody can hurt you. Then you you would probably have a zero for every one of these perpetually. You're on zero all the time. Okay. Okay. So they said there's a there's a link to the questions at the very top of the page. Ah, let's go back. I don't even know my own website. Okay, you have to go there's any way to go back to the home page of the website. And so, okay. If we go to the home page. Now you said where? On the top of the page? Okay, go to articles. We don't see it. Okay, let's go back to the chat and see what you said. Maybe maybe we missed it. So what did you say? Beliefs about forgiveness doc. Oh, where is it? Is this the beliefs worksheet? Yes. Oh, yeah. Have you totally forgiven? Oh, my God. We had it up, and I didn't even realize it. No, 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 no. You're still waiting for them to apologize. No. Um, no, that's, this is another worksheet. This is the worksheet to know if you've totally forgiven or not. The worksheet we're doing. Um, please click here, Beliefs About Forgiveness Worksheet. Yes. Oh, it's very interesting the way it's hidden. You have to open up the... The article, Have You Totally Forgiven? And then you click Beliefs About Forgiveness Worksheet. And then it comes up. Wow. you got to be real, really on top of it to find it. Okay. No. Anyway, I guess some of you have gotten it. Okay, we can go back to the chat. We're still bewildered. Even Udova can't find it, but... Um, it's late for us here in Alachua. We're half asleep right now. Okay. Okay, the next one. Forgiving serious offenses is only possible for pure devotees. Forgiving serious offenses is only possible for pure devotees. I'm not a pure devotee. I can't be expected to forgive serious offenses or it's going to take a very, very long, long, slow time. I don't even know if I'll make it in this life. And... 
that would be the 10. The zero would be, well, maybe that's my nature, but I'll practice forgiveness. I'll practice being a forgiving person, even before I'm a pure devotee. And if I have the belief that I can do it, that will help me do it, and I'll I'll gradually learn to do it by practicing. That would be the zero part of it. Okay, if I forgive a serious offense or abuse, I'm letting the offender off the hook. I think that's similar to what we said. I'm the punisher, and um, if I let him off the hook, or her off the hook, or the company off the hook, or the country, or the organization, then, uh, you know, if I forgive them, they're off the hook. Everything's okay, and they're free and innocent and so forth. So if you think that way, that would be a 10. And if you think, no, they're mu- they're not mutually exclusive. I can forgive and someone can still be wrong. So that, that's a little redundant. I think we could actually delete that one from this list. Forgiving will make me vulnerable to more abuse. This is very common. If I forgive the person, and I mentioned this earlier, if I... Forgiveness will make me vulnerable to more abuse. If I forgive him then or her, then, then the person will think, well, they can do it again. So it would be dangerous to forgive them. You know, just like Durvasamuni, so offended with Ambarish that he created a demon to attack him. Think, you know, why should I forgive this person? This person's potentially could be dangerous to me. And if I forgive him, he may do it again and again. That's um it's not necessarily true, but if we if we we have this belief then it appears to be true. So it is a it's definitely a serious consideration, but if if you think it's a zero then you'll understand that they're not mutually exclusive. And and I think we've discussed this enough. That those two sides are clear. Okay, it is not essential to be forgiven. To to excuse me, it is not essential to. It's a typo there. To forgive everyone in order to make spiritual progress. And I'll forgive advanced devotees. You know, non-devotees or new devotees. It's not necessary. It's not that I that I can't be expected to forgive everyone. I mean, who am I? I'm just a neophyte devotee. How can I forgive everybody? And, you know, if somebody who's important, someone spiritually advanced somehow or other offends me, then I should not take offense. That's, um, but, you know, lesser people, it's not really necessary. It's not that important whether I forgive them or not. So if that's how you feel, that would be a 10. If you feel it's important to forgive everyone, that forgiveness is a principle, that should be extended to everyone, and then that would be a zero. If you're not sure, or a little of both, that would be a five. Let's go to the next one. Forgiveness can only take place when the offender rectifies himself. Forgiveness can only take place when the offender rectifies himself. So, in other words, you're waiting for the person. It's similar. You're waiting for the person to apologize. I mean, if, if he or she rectifies himself or herself, then eventually they would come would come and apologize. Or if a person, say they go to jail and they have a turnaround, a spiritual awakening in jail, and they come back and they're a different person and they're regretting what they've done and so forth. So then I can forgive them. But until that point, I can't. So if you feel that way, that's a 10. If you feel that it's not dependent on them rectifying themselves. That would be a zero or down on the bottom, close to zero. How about this one? No one forgives me, so why should I forgive them? Have any of you ever thought like that? (laughs) No one ever forgave me. Why should I forgive them? So... You know, I should I should only give out to the world what the world gives to me. And, you know, forgiveness is, that's, I think, part of this belief would be, you know, forgiveness is really, it's really something for the sadhu, the saintly person, the pure devotee. It's not something for me. I'm just an ordinary person. Can't expect me to forgive. This is, you know, this is like serious stuff here. This is meant for very 
elevated people, not for ordinary people like me. I mean, you know, my friends don't forgive me when I mess up. So, you know, we're all just ordinary. We understand it. We'll just, we just hold grudges because that's the way we are. So if you feel that way, that would be a 10. And if you feel as a, that it's really incumbent on everyone to be a forgiving person and everyone can do it, that would be a zero. Okay, forgive, next one. Forgiveness can only take place, oh, we did that, when the, effect, when the offender rectifies himself. I guess I skipped one before that. Okay, let's continue below that. It is therapeutic to continually relive what happened. I was hurt. I tell everyone about it. I go over it in my mind again and again. And it's a kind of therapy. If you, if you think that way, it's a 10. If you don't think that way, if you, if you think it's actually not therapy, but it makes it worse when you continually go over it again and again and again, and you can't forget it and you need to tell people about it and it influences you and if you think it would be better to let that go that would be a zero if you think it's actually detrimental to go over it, it would be a zero and if you think it's therapeutic to go over it it would be a 10 okay there's three more are you guys all with me are you great sages and saints out there still with me i hope so Mahi's saying, well, what is, does, it, does that depend on we're doing the minor offense? I could forgive a minor offense. Yeah, that, that would also be a belief. What do, you, what do you believe is a minor and a major offense? Um, okay. Welcome, Betty. Hare Krishna. Okay, we're, Betty, we're going over a list of beliefs relating to forgiveness, and we're looking at these beliefs in relation to ourselves. And these beliefs are available. We can't even find them, but the other people on chat have. So who's ever found it can... Beliefs about forgiveness, Doc. That's it right there. TSTrain.com slash beliefs underscore about underscore forgiveness dot doc. There it is. And we're at the bottom of the page now. And we're grading ourselves on a scale of 0 to 10 how much we believe what is written here. The more you believe it, the higher the score. The less you believe it, the less the score. And if you don't believe it at all, then give it a zero. Okay, let's go to the third to the last. There must be logical reasons to forgive. If I'm going to forgive, there's got to be some logic to it. I've got to really understand it. There's got to be, I've just got to look at it in a logical way. And if there's not logical reasons to forgive, then I'm not going to forgive. There would be no reason to do it. Then give yourself a 10. And if you thought, if you if you think, well, actually, there is no logical reason to forgive, there's there, that it's, it's, if I look for logical reasons, I'll never forgive. It's just an act of grace that I offer this person who doesn't really deserve it. But I give it anyway, that would be a zero. Okay. The next one. The past cannot be changed, so I will have to continually suffer the consequences of what happened. Actually, that's the last one. The past cannot be changed, so I will have to continually suffer the consequences of what happened. In other words, it happened, it's there, I can't erase it from my memory. It's scarred me, it's hurt me, and therefore I'll have to suffer the consequences of it. There's, there's nothing I can do about that. If you believe that, it's a 10. If you don't believe that, if you believe, well, what happened in the past is the past, but I don't, I can go create a different future, not be controlled by that. I can change my attitude or I can learn to deal with it in different ways. That would be a zero or down there. Okay. So we finished that. How was that? Did you like that? I think you kind of got the picture here. The higher the number that you get under each category, then what? The higher the number, what? Is the higher number better or worse? Who can tell me out there? Carol, is the higher number better or worse? Who can tell me? If you got all tens, <laughs> yes, the higher number is worse. So, so the idea is, if, uh, of course, for every one of these beliefs, 
there's another belief that so so that the, the antithetical belief what I was trying to point out by showing these beliefs is that when you come to this point where you're finding it difficult to forgive or you're coming to this wall where you just say the big C word, I can't. I don't know if any of you have ever said that, but it is common. We just, I can't forgive. This is what happened was so bad, I can't forgive. So in that case, what I'm showing you here is that you may have a belief system that is causing you to not be able to forgive. You may be willing to forgive, but you have a belief. No, you, you can't forgive a family member who's done something horrible. That, that, where did that belief come from? Who knows where it came from? Maybe it came from your family because they had a grudge with another family member. Maybe maybe you just saw that growing up. No one in the family ever forgave a serious offense. You know, Maybe one of the relatives did something really bad and your parents never spoke to them again. They just never forgave them. And, you know, somehow or other, you absorb a belief that, well, if a family member does something really bad, really offensive, it hurts another family member, they should not be forgiven. And the, the, you see how beliefs get in there. A lot of times you can't even trace where they come from. They're just there. It's something you saw, something you learned along the way. So let's let's go back and visit these a little bit and let's talk a little bit about them. Because I think this will help. I didn't talk enough about them, but let's talk a little more. Maybe not everyone in detail. Some of them I want to go in more in detail. But the first one, only minor offenses. And then and then I forget who was saying, well, that depends on yes, um Mahi. Mahi said, Well, it depends what you think is minor. So you have a threshold. Up to this point it's minor. And beyond that point, it isn't minor. So with that belief, whatever you considered minor, you say, yeah, I can forgive that. But beyond that threshold, where it becomes major, becomes the, it's no longer the minor leagues. Now it's the major leagues of offenses and uh, major leagues of hurt and abuse that can't be forgiven. So now you have that belief. So where did that belief come from? You want to forgive somebody, wouldn't it be better to not have that belief, to have the belief that no matter how serious the offense, it can be forgiven? Wouldn't that be a better belief? Because that way, if you have that belief, that no matter what has happened to you, you still would be open to the possibility that you could forgive this person. Whereas if your belief is only minor offenses can be forgiven, then if the offense is not minor in your mind, then you're stuck. Then you're Then you're back to I can't forgive this person. And you may not even realize that you have the belief that you can only forgive minor offenses and that's why you can't forgive. It's interesting, isn't it? You can kind of see how hoping, I hope that you see how beliefs empower or, or, or disempower us. And one of the things that I want you to learn from this is that any belief that you have that's disempowering, that's not helping you, you can you can look at that belief and you can change it and and look at the belief like we're doing now and saying well this belief is not helping me what would be a better belief to have and and inevitably in regards to forgiveness the better belief to have will always be the krishna conscious the most krishna conscious belief you'll see that okay let's go on to the next one we don't need to work on our forgiveness issues because by bhakti forgiveness will automatically develop so the idea is that as we progress in, in Krishna consciousness, we achieve higher levels, and, and these levels are described in the scripture. You go from one level to another to another, and on each level, more and more of the contamination within our heart will drop away. So, logically, that would mean that on a certain level, the resentment and the anger, the hurt, would subside, which is true to a certain degree. But But we have to look at the other side, that if we have been practicing spiritual life and the issues, and we have some big obstacles or big problems that we're dealing with, then those problems are talking to us and saying, you, you have to do something. You have to focus on me. You have to put more energy into this. Your, your spiritual practice is not strong enough at this point in your life. And you're going to need to focus more energy on dealing with this problem. We... 
I mentioned this in, in, in one of the earlier classes by, by citing Lord Chaitanya's instruction where he said, you should chant in a humble state of mind. So, so you could say, well, I thought by chanting I become humble. Now Lord Chaitanya is saying, I should chant in a humble state of mind. It's like saying, right from the get-go, I should be humble. But how can I be humble as a conditioned soul? I'm not humble. I'm proud. I think I'm the, the body. I'm proud of my body. Proud of my intelligence. I'm proud of my talents. I want people to recognize my talents, my abilities, my intelligence. I want to be acknowledged for it. And if I chant Hare Krishna, then gradually I'll become purified and realize I'm not the body, I'm not this ego, this false ego, but my real ego is Krishna Das, I'm servant of Krishna, so then I'll become humble. But now Lord Chaitanya is saying, no, you should chant in a humble state of mind. So, so the principle here is that we should act, we should act like we're pure. We should act as if we were pure. Act as the pure act. Act as the pure devotee acts. Acts as the saintly person acts. So that's the process of devotional service. And then by acting as a saintly person acts, we empower our spiritual practices. So we can practice humility. We're asked to practice humility. And that practice of humility will empower our, all our devotional service, especially our chanting. And then the result of that empowered chanting is what? We'll become more humble. So if we act, if we extend forgiveness to everyone in our life, that will help our devotional service. And then we'll achieve a level in devotional service where that forgiveness will no more be a practice, but it'll be natural. It'll be who we are. It'll be what we are. So in the beginning, it's more of a practice. And so always... We we want to recognize that, that if we're dealing with, with a problem, if there's an obstacle, we want to focus on it, we want to work on it, we want to give attention to it. We want to practice acting in the proper way. There's a really nice statement in the Nectar Devotion. And it says that in the heart of a person who's overcome by hankering and lamentation, the Supreme Lord cannot sit. So there's this idea that the heart is meant is a place where we want in which not there's an idea we want Krishna to sit in our heart. But the idea is that anywhere where Krishna is going to sit must be clean, just like we have alt an altar and and on the altar we keep it very clean. Every time we do any kind of worship on the altar. We clean the altar, we clean the floor, we sweep it, we wash it. This is a process that's always clean. Wherever Krishna is going to be, it must be clean. So, is there, if there's going to be room for Krishna to sit in our heart, and there, all these dirty things are there presently, we have to move them out, somehow get them out of there, so we can bring Krishna in. At the Japa retreat, we did a meditation, and part of that meditation was to bring within our heart a diamond throne, because Prabhupada said we should visualize a diamond throne within our heart and Krishna sitting on the diamond throne. And each mantra of the Hare Krishna mantra is a flower that we're offering to Krishna in our heart on the throne. It's nice meditation. So in meditation, we ask the devotees, build a diamond throne in your heart, as you imagine. You know, like a, like any kind of altar that you've seen, that you like, you build that out of diamonds. You can do this, you can visualize this now if you like. Now bring that diamond throne, diamond studded, or just built all from diamonds, very bright. Bring that into your heart, and then you invite Radha and Krishna to come and sit on that throne. So we were doing that exercise, and then after after the exercise, we asked devotees to share, and one devotee said that there was no room for the altar. So what did he mean by that? There's no room for the altar. There's no room because he said there was so much contamination in my heart the altar wouldn't fit. So that verse, in the heart of a person who's overcome by hankering and lamentation, the Supreme Lord cannot sit. So if contamination exists within our heart, somehow or other we have to move it aside. That's called practice. 
you know you could say well you can't just move it aside okay you can't just you can't just uproot it entirely yes the process of bhakti will entirely uproot it but you can practice acting on it and that practice gives strength to the process Srila Prabhupada talks about pulling an arthas or the weeds in the heart. He talks about it. And, and there's a saying that if you don't know what the problem is, you can't, then how can you work on it? So if you don't know what the, the problem is within the heart or what the contamination is, how can you focus on it and deal with it? And if you're, let's say you become aware that you're, you're an arrogant person. And, and Krishna says in the Gita, arrogance is a demoniac quality. So you certainly don't want to cultivate it. And you realize, well, uh, by nature I tend to be arrogant and it's not advantageous for my bhakti. So I have to practice humility. I have to practice being more kind to people, more compassionate, more understanding, more sympathetic. I have to think that whatever qualities I have are really gifts of Krishna which he could take away. And I, I'm fortunate that I have these gifts. And but in comparison to Krishna, these gifts are nothing. I'm, I'm insignificant. So, so it, an arrogant person would have to practice thinking that way. Not that he realizes or she realizes that, just that, that she, he or she would have to practice that. So if we think, no, I just do bhakti, it will all go away, then we'll, we may end up avoiding the issues that we need to deal with. And so that belief could really be a problem in dealing with forgiveness, because then you won't work on it. You say, well, I can't forgive him now, but you know, I'm hoping I'll forgive him later when I'm more Krishna conscious. So that later may never come. It's possible. I mean, there's so many instructions where, where we're told to develop or at least act upon qualities which we would like to imbibe totally. Okay, let's go on. Then well, let me look at the chat because I'm talking so much. Okay. Oh, what do we say? Mm. Changing our beliefs makes a big difference. Yes. So the forgiveness and process of bhakti go side by side. We do both. Yes. Um, anything. I mean, if you look at all the principles of bhakti. You see, that there's there's two parallels. There's this idea that, as Christian Monk said, he said, pray as if everything depends on God, but act as if everything depends on you. Interesting. So we would say, it's only by the mercy of Krishna, only by the mercy of Guru, only by the mercy of the disciplic succession, only by the mercy of the holy name that I can forgive. And nobody would argue that we are dependent on mercy. But how will that mercy come unless we make the effort? But how, why, why would Krishna, what is Krishna going to reciprocate with unless we make the effort? So then Prabhupada made this statement. He said, first deserve, then desire. So if you're going to desire... You should deserve. And what would deserve mean? Well, you should qualify yourself by your actions. And I always find that if you're praying for something, you should show, show Krishna by your actions that's what you want so that you can attract his sympathy. Why should Krishna give you mercy if you don't really want it, if you don't really show that you want it? But if you show that you want it by your actions, Krishna, I want to be humble. I want to be tolerant. I want to be compassionate. I want to be forgiving. I'm desperately practicing living according to these qualities, these principles. And I'm begging your mercy to help me. So there's this intense desire and intense effort in the realization that ultimately I'm dependent on Krishna's mercy to achieve success. So anything you're trying to do in devotional service, not just forgiveness, you can apply the same principle. So it is, it is my personal conviction you should try as you should give a hundred and eight percent to anything you're doing in Krishna consciousness, even though you have a hundred and eight percent faith that it's only by Krishna's mercy that you'll achieve success. But you're making the effort. Yeyatamam Krishna is reciprocating. 
Why will he give mercy to one and not another? Well, you see, if you read the prayers of the Acharyas, they're begging, they're pleading for their mercy. They're showing Krishna, I want it. <clears throat> not only are they showing Krishna that they want it, they're showing Krishna that they need it. I need it, I'm fallen. Please, without your mercy, I can't do this. So they're showing such a desire. And you could imagine in their lives that they're making every effort to live as a sadhu, to live according to the principles of bhakti, even though they're praying as if they don't have any of those qualities. But certainly, if you saw them, you see any saintly person, you see, oh, they have so many good qualities. So it's both, both these tracks are going on. Pray like it, everything depends on God, act like everything depends on you. God helps those who help themselves. I read this quote I don't, I, from Srila Bhakti Siddhanta. I don't know if I told you. Srila Bhakti Siddhanta said, we should only desire the greatest good for, for our worst enemies. We should only desire the greatest good for our worst enemies. You, you read that and you think, me? I'm, you know, that's like such a high position. Me? And he's speaking to me? I'm supposed to do that? That is way beyond my league. In, in a sense, yes, it is. How, I mean, how can the average person on the street be expected to want and pray for and desire the greatest good for their worst enemies? Maybe a little good for a little enemy, but the greatest good for my worst enemy? So... That's what we're, we're being called to do, to, to come to such a high position that we're being asked to do incredible things. So how are we going to do it? Well, intensely show Krishna we want to do it and intensely practice doing it as far as we can. That's the right combination. Okay. Yeah, that yeah yeah Davy's saying yeah that later may never come. Trust no future, however pleasant. I mean, you have to get for all the good qualities of the demigods to develop. It's a very high stage of bhakti, so we we don't want to wait for those stages to come, but we want to act. I mean, I I understand that I'll never fully manifest humility. I'll never fully understand it until I come to a higher level of bhakti. But at the same time, I'm always trying to understand it and and try my best to act hum, act humbly as far as I can I, I never think that I'll just wait I mean I do think that there, there there is that side yes wait we're always waiting for mercy but at the same time my point is we get mercy by acting the way we will naturally act when we're purified and if we just wait to act and we may be waiting for lifetimes. I mean, we're pretty, uh, you know, we've been around the material world a long time. We, we're very conditioned. So we could be waiting quite a long time. Okay. If we want Krishna to forgive us, then we should also forgive others. Yes, I. there's a nice meditation. How would you be doing if you were only forgiven by Krishna or forgiven by others to the degree that you forgive? So if that scares you, that's good. It should should scare you. How would you be doing if you were only forgiven, if you were only forgiven to the degree that you forgive others? And if your answer is, I wouldn't be doing good, then think about this. We, we want mercy for ourselves. We want to be forgiven. If we do something wrong, certainly we want to be forgiven. So, so, this brings the, brings up the whole idea of compassion, and we've talked about this before. And one aspect of compassion, maybe not even an aspect, but central theme, is putting yourself in another person's position. That, that if I want to be forgiven for what I've done, that certainly that person wants to be forgiven for what they've done. And so why should not I grant them the same desire, fulfillment of desire that I would want? putting yourself in their position, seeing from their point of view, that's compassion. So, we want to be forgiven, we should forgive others. In the Bible, in the Bible it says something like that. You won't be forgiven unless you forgive. Okay. Forgive others as we want others to forgive us, yes. Do unto others as we want others to do unto us. Yes, 
You do your best and Krishna will do the rest. Ah, nice one, Manjesh. You get five gold stars for that. The greatest guru for our highest enemies. The greatest good, not guru. The greatest good. Now you can be the greatest guru for your enemies also. I don't know if they want you as their guru, but the greatest good for my worst enemy. Yeah. When we are acting, Krishna will take care of the rest because we're doing our best. Well, Manjesh is quite a poet. Is there anything that Krishna cannot, will not forgive to us? Oh, Yadavi's asking a very important question. Is there anything that Krishna cannot, will not forgive us? Now, well, if if we use the example of Jagai and Madai, you know the story of Jagai and Madai. They they did everything wrong you could possibly possibly do. The the worst thing is if we offend Krishna's devotee. If we offend Krishna's devotee and we don't ask for forgiveness from that devotee, then Krishna will not forgive us. That that we saw in the story of Ambarish. Durvasa offended Ambarish, and then the Lord Sudarshan Chakra went to chastise Ambarish, uh, excuse me, Durvasa. And so Durvasa went to Vishnu and said, you sent this chakra, please forgive me. The chakra's following him. It's like a, it's like a razor blade, you know, ready to chop his neck off. So you can imagine he was terrified. And then Vishnu said, you offended my devotee, I can't forgive you. Only my devotee can forgive you. So offending a devotee, that's, that's really the critical area where we need to be extremely careful about. Even, even if a devotee does something wrong, even if a devotee, you, know, you know, everybody sees it's wrong, it's objectively wrong, it's not even our subjective opinion. Still, there are ways to deal with it without offending that devotee. It's very, very, we need to be very, very careful. And in fact, I decided that our next course, it may not be next week yet, well, I'm just, I want to see how much longer we'll, we will go with forgiveness. But I decided the next course I want to teach is on offenses to devotees because it's, it's, it's so devastating that, that we really need to study it. And, re, and my hope is, or my intention, is a change of heart, a change of propensity and a change of attitude so we don't have the propensity to criticize. So that's the real issue. So we just don't have the need to do it. There's, a, there's kind of a need that drives us to criticize. And I'm hoping by discussing this from different points of view and entering deeply into the lives of the devotees and seeing how how humble they are and how much in the service mode they are and how, how tolerant they are, that we can have a change of heart and realize that that Vaishnava means one who's humble, and a humble person is not a critical person, and a critical person is proud, and pride comes before a fall. It's, it's just, it, it's very, very interesting what Prabhupada said. He said one very powerful thing. He said, he listed all the devotional principles that we should follow, and he said, if you follow all these principles, and then he, he mentioned right at the end, and don't offend Vaishnavas, then you become Krishna conscious. So what does that mean? If I follow all those principles and offend Vaishnavas, I won't become Krishna conscious, even in spite of the fact that I'm following all the principles. So the fact that he mentioned, okay, here's all the principles that you need to follow, but there's this one principle that can nullify, that would undermine everything, and that's Vaishnavapara. So that's the thing Krishna may not forgive us if we offend devotees, especially very elevated devotees. And, and as long as a devotee is willing to serve devotees, especially higher devotees, even if the mind is crazy, even if we're highly conditioned, but if we're willing to serve, if we're willing to be open to make the effort to follow their instructions, and the, the mercy is always there, then the only person who may not forgive us is ourselves if we do something wrong. That, that's a whole other issue. You know, our guru may forgive us, Krishna may forgive us, and we may not even forgive ourselves. That's you know, we've discussed that, so it's something to think about. Okay. What about when a devotee comes to you asking forgiveness, but you feel nothing to forgive? Should you still say words I forgive? Yes. Very good question. If that devotee 
if that devotee feels that he or she has offended you, then the scripture says the way they become free of that offense is if the devotee who they offended forgives them. So even if you feel you didn't offend them, or they didn't, excuse me, they didn't offend you, they may have. But if they think they have, then they're going to be really upset if you don't forgive them, because then they'll think, oh, now I've made this offense. I'm going to suffer for it because this person won't, won't forgive me. So we should always be merciful. And, and even, you know, we might say, oh, Prabhu, you didn't offend me, but if you think you have offended me, certainly I forgive you a hundred times. What did Jesus say? Seven Master, should we? How many times should we forgive? Seven? What did he say? Seven times seven, or seven times seventy? So we should always we should always be willing. We should always forgive, and we should always be willing if if another asks asks us to accept their forgiveness. Certainly, we should accept it as just as you would accept a present. If a person gives you a present, you don't, you wouldn't say, "No, I don't really want this." No, you don't have to give it. It wasn't necessary. No, they're they're offering that. It's your duty to accept it. That's reciprocation. Okay. Okay. Yes, to satisfy them, and maybe to purify them. Yes, a very and and a very advanced devotee will think, "No, I've never been. You 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 can't offend me. I'm not the kind of person that is." even qualified to be offended because I'm so low, how can you offend someone as low as I? We should think that way. I don't know if we always can, especially if the offense is severe. It's unlikely we'll spontaneously think that way unless we're very Krishna conscious. But in our sober moments, we can think that way. So, it is now one hour and three minutes since we started and we can't go over this entire list. But I think by going over the list, you get the idea of how beliefs affect your ability to forgive or affect your nature that makes it difficult to give up the resentment. And by changing beliefs, very simply changing beliefs, everything can change. It seems simple, and it is. Believe me, it's much more simple than you think it is. It really is. So... We're going to see you next week, and I'm not exactly sure if we're going to continue on forgiveness. I'm going to look over and see if there's any important points we missed. And I just want you to know, if you go to krishna.com slash mahatma, then all the courses I've given on forgiveness are there, as well as all the courses on vows and some of the Java courses. So this is, I believe, the 10th course. 7 and 8 was missing this is only uh, this is not the video this is only audio so 7 and 8 were missing and i'm going to replace that in the next day or two and or maybe it's going to be replaced in the next day or two and you can listen to all the all the courses and and if you're still having difficulty with with forgiving someone i suggest just listen to the courses again and again and what you're going to see is every time you listen to them you're you're going to be it's going to be a little easier, and it's eventually, and eventually, what we want to do is come to the point where you can just let it go painlessly. But but you, when you let it go, you just feel this was the right thing, and when you do that, you're going to notice a shift in your consciousness. You're going to notice a physical and emotional shift, and what you will notice after is that your bhakti will increase. It really will. When you when you get something that big and contaminating in your heart out of there, it really makes space for Krishna to enter. And it's a really nice meditation. If you think, okay, I'm attached to this resentment, this person has hurt me, but it's not about this person and what they did. It's really about making room for Krishna in my heart. And, and that relationship is the most important. So if this resentment is getting in the way of my relationship with Krishna, then shouldn't I just drop it? Shouldn't I let it go? Because the relationship is more important than punishing this person with my resentment? Of course the answer is yes. So meditate on that, that, that these things in the heart are getting in the way of allowing Krishna to sit there. <coughs> Excuse me. So, so,
So someone's asking about, is the next Japa session the same time next week? Um, I don't know anything about Japa. We, um, you mean the Japa room? Oh. Japa room, so when is the Japa room? Who knows? Saturdays. Usually it's Saturday. Okay, yeah. If you um, go to krishna.com, Mahatma, you'll, you can find some some of the classes we gave on Japa. And uh, so Manush is saying, Manjesh is saying 7.30 Eastern Standard Time on Saturday evening or morning? What is it? Evening, 7.30 in the evening Eastern Standard Time. And there's a schedule somewhere on Christian.com. Um, slash live. And then if you go there, scroll down everyone, to find the schedule. Okay. So thank you, and um, I think we'll do, I think we're going to do one more course on forgiveness. And perhaps we'll finish a little of this. I'm going to see if there's anything else I believe is important. And if you haven't done it so far, write your letter to the person who hurt you. Write it and tell them how they hurt you. It's very important you do that. This does not necessarily mean you're going to send the letter. This is for you to just write it, get your story out on paper. And then after you read that story a few times, ask yourself, now, if Krishna were to come and tell me what he saw, I described what I saw, I described what I experienced, if Krishna were to come and tell me what he saw, what would he say? Very, very important exercise if you haven't done this. Write your story down and then think, okay, this is what happened, this is what I saw. But now Krishna is looking at it from his point of view. What does he see? Does he see it differently? Does he, does he somehow or other not see it the way I see it? And start thinking how Krishna sees it. Okay, thank you very much. And uh, Mahi said it was very beneficial. Thank you, I'm glad. Um, you uh, you can apply this concept of beliefs to other areas of your life. And remember that question I asked you when you're when you're looking at your behavior and you're not happy with it, or you'd like to change it. Just ask yourself, what would a person have to believe to be acting in this way? And then start looking at. Well, I I must believe this is important. I must believe that's not important. I must believe that I don't have the ability to do this, or I may be over overly proud, and I think I'm better than everybody. It's very interesting. It'll be really helpful. Okay, so we'll see you next week. Hare Krishna.